Purdue picks up a commitment, could get another soon, and learns its Big Ten opponents for 2024 and 25. Our thoughts on Gold and Black Radio. I'm Kyle Charters, Tom Deanhart in a moment, but first this. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three-stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWDesignBuild.com. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. All right, Tom, let's talk a little bit of football. Gone uh, the same way as leaders and legends. <laughs> we will no longer see East and West divisions in the Big Ten soon after this following season. Then we go to the flex protect plan uh, <laughs> where Purdue will be uh, having protected games uh, against rivals Indiana and Illinois. That made sense. Uh, trophy games, obviously, in the Big Ten for the Boilermakers. But after that, it will be sort of, a, a, I don't know, flex scheduling, whatever you want to call it, um, where, where Purdue will have different opponents aside from those two every season if you look at the first couple of seasons seems manageable in 2024 seems less manageable in 2025 especially when you throw in there that Purdue will play that season at Notre Dame as well Mm -hmm. I guess what do you think about this whole plan by the Big Ten something had to be done Uh, I tend to think that the Big Ten will eventually have to go to to 10 games I don't know how you can do this uh, with with an odd number of football games and thus uh, not every team is playing the same number of home games every year. Uh, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, flex, protect, plus. Sounds like something my state farm agent's trying to sell me some type of policy. But, <laughs> um, yeah, just, again, like you said, some rivalries will be protected. And uh, teams will be guaranteed, I guess, to see every other league opponent at least twice, home and away, every four years. So they always seem like they're hell-bent on making sure teams see each other on at least a semi-regular basis so we'll have that so that's your that's your flex protect plus plan as you said 2024 goes into effect there'll be a 16 team divisionless big 10 at that point the top two teams will meet in the big 10 championship game and yeah we saw all the home and away games uh for big 10 uh uh, league league opponents uh released last week by the conference office and um yeah, Purdue's going to get a taste of UCLA and USC right out of the gate. 24, USC comes to West Lafayette for the first time since 1976. And then the next year, 25, Purdue was out to the Rose Bowl to play UCLA. And Kyle, you alluded to that 25 schedule, boy. In addition to the trip to, to Pasadena, they've got games with Michigan and Ohio State that year as well. Iowa, Minnesota, and they also have a game at Notre Dame, which you talked about. So that 25 schedule, there's going to be a lot of heavy lifting for the Boilers that year. Yeah, seems so. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be uh, different. You're going to have some years where you just feel like you have a, a, a more easy path to getting into the top two. What do you think of the Big Ten doing this in this fashion? I mean, something had to be done. You, you really probably could not continue to play – uh, divisions the way that they were. I mean, something was going to have to be shuffled. But to go divisionless with the top two playing in the championship, your thoughts? Yeah, I think probably good. You know, um, as, neat as, as neat as it was to see Purdue make it last year for Purdue fans for the Big Ten title game, 
you know, I, th I think we all can agree, if we're honest with ourselves, that the Big Ten East was always far superior than the Big Ten West. And oftentimes, Kyle, there was a team that got into the championship game from the West that probably really wasn't the second best team in the conference, really didn't merit being there where, uh, you know, now, I mean, with divisionless football, you're going to get, again, the, the top two teams in that championship game, the two best teams, supposedly. So Michigan playing Ohio State again, you know, Penn State's going to be probably a regular with USC. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's it's probably good overall. I think, I think you always want your best teams to, to be in those championship games, and, and this divisionless format should uh, should move the conference toward that goal. Yeah. It, it does it does it make the path to getting into the the college football championship easier if if you would I mean it, you got to have a lot of things go right but if you have a good team with a soft schedule and can somehow get into that Big Ten championship game with an expanded college football playoff does it give you a shot? You would think you know that 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 college football playoff committee if if, if there's anything they've shown us Kyle over the years they'll justify anything they want to justify yeah they want to say your strength of schedule matters they will uh if they want to say it doesn't they, they say it doesn't so <laughs> it always seems like it's a moving target just a real source of teeth gnashing by a lot of people who watch the sport and watch that committee work um so subjective so i think most people believe what we're going to go have a 12 team playoff in 24 the SEC is probably going to probably comprise a third of that field every year or at least three teams, right? Yeah. I think most people think the Big Ten will get two to three every year. I don't know if the Big Ten is ever going to be able to get four, maybe, probably two to three every year. So, um, <clears throat> so yeah, again, um, who knows? You know, we've seen Purdue have, have – we, we, we've, we've seen the stars align for Purdue. and they, We've seen them have good teams and rise up and beat some good opponents during the season where – it wouldn't be crazy to see them finish among the top three in the Big Ten at some point. Yeah, everything's clicking for them at some point. So I, I do think there's hope. And my gosh, uh, I, I for one am really excited to see this playoff, especially when they play those early round games on uh, on campus venues too. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's going to turn it into a much bigger event uh, for for more people uh, than yep. what it has been in the past. I tend to think that the Big Ten will have to go to 10 games. Do you think that they will, or or will you, they stick around with, with the nine-game schedules? I think TV is probably going to be the, the entity that decides that. Um, yeah. TV is going to tell the Big Ten what to do because TV writes the checks, right? And uh, they're going to kowtow to get that check written. So, And why not, Kyle? Why not have more quality games? It lessens the burden of these schools trying to go out and schedule a buy game, so to speak. And you get rid of a, most likely a lousy opponent, right? And you can have 10 quality Big Ten opponents. And then you have just your two, I guess, non-league games. Go ahead and play one rummy if you want and, and then see if you can play a power five in the other. So it, it's, it should be all about having quality games. And yeah. uh, I, know, I know the SEC is sort of dragging its feet right now but still playing these eight conference games, but I think at some point, you know, everybody's going to be forced to play more quality games and those being more, more conference games. Yeah. So what are some of the rules with this scheduling? Aside from Purdue will play Indiana and Illinois every year. The idea is that every team will play every other team at least twice in a four-year window. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. 
all 15 league opponents at least twice, home and away, every four years. So if, if you're a player, you know, during your four-year run into school, you're going to play every opponent, you know, at least twice, home and away. So, uh, which is good. I think sometimes you look at the schedule rotations. I know the SEC's had some really weird ones. We're like Texas A&M had never been to Georgia yet. Just some, some real weird quirks like that. The Big Ten, I don't think they've had, they've had quite as many. They pop up every once in a while. But I, I just think it's kind of nice to maybe to keep some fresh schools coming through everybody's venues uh, over, 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 over recent history, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's something intriguing, obviously, about having – usc in in 2024 come to purdue i mean uh it'll be different to say the least or purdue going to play at ucla i mean i don't know i don't know about going west if you're purdue uh haven't always had a ton of success uh especially going all the way to the coast over the years but certainly will be a a change up no doubt yeah we were talking about that off off air you and i about purdue's record west of the mississippi uh, last what 40 years 50 years or so and we thought they, they won at missouri in 2017 they won the foster farms bowl out in the bay area in 17 uh you know we know they went to la to play in that pigskin classic and lost they lost the rose bowl they lost oregon they lost washington a couple of times they won at arizona we down that game in tucson like in 2005 I was, yeah, the the blackout game for the uh, the Wildcats. They were, I think, they wore all black uniforms in that game for like the first time ever, or the first time in a long time. Didn't really work out. That didn't re- didn't work out for Arizona that day. Didn't work out for Purdue that season. Uh, that season yeah. went to the the season that went south in a hurry. Well, a couple of others. You know, we we only lost in Nevada, but they they they've had have, have had success in Texas. Yeah, those Alamo Bowls and some and and at least one. Uh, Don't talk about the race game. game. We don't don't know, but, 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 but they, you, you did see the one uh, El Paso Bowl, oh, yeah. some bowl win. So they, they've won there. So they have, they had, they've had a little motorcome of success going west. It's, it's hard maybe to travel that far. But again, like you said, now they'll become semi regular travelers to California. Like I said, that begins in 25 when they go to the Rose Bowl. And now, of course, they played there. We all know after the 2000 season um, on a regular, you know, even, even last time, Kyle, they played UCLA. In California, it was 1979. I think the UCLA was playing in the Coliseum then. So I, I couldn't tell you if he's ever played. Well, I guess before that would have been the 1966 Rose Bowl. But again, um, they just haven't been in that iconic venue that often over, over their history. The 79 game, I was like five months old. I don't remember. It very well. <laughs> I was at the game in 1980 when UCLA came here. Mark Herman's senior year. Purdue's never beaten the Bruins. I think they're like 0-3 and 2. They got two ties. Yeah. And I think they've only beaten USC once. And that, of course, was that Rose Bowl game mm-hmm. with Bob Greasy after the 66 season. But boy, talk about when brands like that come to West Lafayette. I mean, wow. It's it's exciting. And I remember the USC game here. I was about 11 years old in 1976. And they had Ricky Bell and John McKay. And boy, USC was really rolling back then. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean the the, the USC Purdue game in twenty four will be fun. I mean, it's yeah, a different different uh, animal. I mean, you're used to seeing USC go to Notre Dame. It'll be nice to see USC and and Purdue in a game. All right, let's take a break. Let's come back. We'll talk a little bit of football recruiting, uh, the portal. Uh, we'll talk some high school recruiting as well. We'll do that uh, and much more coming up next on Golden Black Radio.
On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill, industrial and classic. The restaurant is built like a steakhouse, but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish, and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. Eastern Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-775-6502 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-775-6502. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. All right, Tom, a bunch of recruiting to talk about uh, here in the middle of June. Camp season, last player camp, what is today? Um, Possibility that Purdue gets a commitment from Luke Williams, Mm -hmm. wide receiver from Naperville, will decide tonight, probably between uh, Purdue and Illinois. if he does, uh, it'll probably be commitment number nine, right? After Purdue picked yeah. up commitment number eight over the weekend. Uh, so what do you think? Uh, a chance for a, a four-star uh, to perhaps come uh, to Purdue if he decides to do so tonight? Yeah, it is between Purdue and Illinois. That's definitive. And a four-star receiver. Um, we'll see. I think Purdue feels good about where they're positioned. He was, he was on campus earlier this month for an official visit. For what it's worth, Purdue has taken a commitment from his older brother, Zeke Williams, who was a cornerback at Northern Illinois in the portal, but he's going to come to Purdue as a walk-on out of the portal. So for whatever there, for whatever that's worth, Purdue's got that going for it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this would be a nice get. This would be the biggest commitment yet in this 2024 class if they're able to secure it. Like you said, would be commitment number nine, and they have the one receiver already committed kid named Jesse Watson from East St. Louis, Illinois. Kyle, last week they had a receiver decommit, a kid from Texas named Mason Dawson. So this would get him back up to two receivers in this 24 class. A lot of people are sitting on pins and needles here, waiting to see if Luke Williams will become a Boilermaker. Purdue got uh, commitment number eight over the weekend, cornerback, safety, Josiah Edmond from Dampany, Indiana. Played at Warren Central uh, last season. Uh, again, uh, you know, we know that that position is a position of need and one that that Ryan Walters and Kevin Kane and everybody else should be able to recruit to considering uh, how those guys at those positions played over there in Champaign. Uh, but Edmund comes to Purdue. Yeah, nice kid. A bigger, big defensive back, about 6'1", 
180. Uh, like you said, was at Warren Central, matriculated up north to Napanee, Indiana. We'll play at Northwood High School. Uh, had, had some nice offers. Wisconsin came at him late. So he'll join Hadari Hines has produced two defensive back commits so far in this 24 class. Hines is a kid from Franklin Central in the Indy area. So good start in that secondary. And like you said, boy, given Ryan Walter's reputation for the defensive backfield, we should get some nice players at those spots, you would think. So so all systems move ahead, Kyle. Like you said, today's the last camp for individuals. There'll be a team camp on Wednesday, and that will close the door on Purdue's camp season in June. And uh, still some more official visits, though, my friend. There's probably seven or eight kids coming in this weekend. Then I know the weekend, the June 23rd to the 25th, there's a bunch coming in. So uh, we'll see how many more commitments Purdue can get. As you know, having haven't done this before, Kyle, this is a big month for kids to commit. So maybe by the time we turn the corner and get into July, there, there could be, what, upwards of maybe 12 or 13 commitments. It's going to be interesting to see. Let's talk a little bit more portal recruiting. It uh, it giveth and taketh away. Uh, let me get this straight. Purdue had a uh, wide receiver who was going to class or taking online class or <laughs> supposedly enrolled in classes and then just yeah. and went somewhere else. I think as you wrote this morning, you didn't even know that was possible to do that. Yeah. It's like you can just enroll and then like change your mind. Well, that, that's for grad transfers. Yeah, I guess grad transfers, even if they've enrolled at their at their new school, if, if they want to up and leave, they can up and leave. They aren't bound to their new school, even though they're, they're enrolled. And I, I thought when you enrolled, that triggered the fact that your door was closed on being able to transfer if you're just again. A, if you're just, I'm just, uh, if you're just a student, aren't you, if you enroll, aren't you bound? Don't, does something bad happen to you if you just stop going? <laughs> I guess you could pull out. You may lose some of your money for tuition, <laughs> but but yeah, this whole thing. Corey Gamage is the player we're talking about, a wide receiver yeah. who committed to Purdue in May from Marshall. He's a grad transfer, the one year of eligibility. He never even showed up on campus. He did appear in the school directory. Was enrolled. Um, was was in some, I guess, Maymester classes online, and. Uh, just long story short, I mean, it, the whole thing is very curious and dubious. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, I'm not sure if everything was on the up and up, but long story short, Corey Gamage is gone. Purdue is down. Uh, portal wide receiver. They would like to try to replace him. I know Purdue's looking in the portal. They're also looking at some junior college guys. They, they made a run at a kid over the weekend who ended up committing to Oregon State. They missed, may still be able to get back in. Uh, we'll see. But So Purdue's still kicking the tires. To try to find a wideout, Kyle. They're not going to just take a wideout to take one, obviously. They want to make sure they get a quality one. So they're going to probably be looking all the way up to the start of camp here in August. Yeah. Other positions still looking for uh, on the offensive line, right? I mean, they're, they're searching yeah. for more help, more depth on the O line. Yeah. Yeah. There's a kid from an NAI school in suburban Detroit that they're, that they're on and, uh, and then they're looking at. Who will provide them with some much-needed depth at offensive tackle? That, that's the biggest position of worry, I think, is the OT spot. I think they got three guys between Musa and Daniel Johnson and then another portal guy from an NAI school named Ben Farrell. And then, you, then you're probably looking at Marcus Bowe having to move from guard to tackle. So they need some help at tackle, and I think this guy could help them. So we'll see if anything materializes there. 
And I think they're still on this, this lineman from Colorado named Austin Johnson. He's really Kyle, but he's more of an interior guy, center or guard. Uh, he would help, obviously. Um, but, but if anything materializes with him, it likely won't be till July because I, I guess he's got to graduate and get his grades in order. So, so yeah, they're still trying to bolster, uh, you know, the, the trenches up front on offense. Wild West, man. I just crazy. Uh, it's coming and going, showing up for a minute or not showing up for a minute or rolling for a second. Who knows, man? It's pretty wild. Yeah. It's just too bad. These portal guys aren't, can't be bound by letters of intent. Uh, who knows what will be in a year? The sport's changing before our very eyes. These guys could be employees this time next year. So signing contracts. So I think, you know, some type of more regimented system, I think, would be welcome structurally, especially, you know, if, if you're a head coach, like to know what, what your roster is going to look like and not having to worry about guys leaving on a whim. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's pretty crazy. It's been that way in the past, but this is even more so. Yeah, it's uh, it's the whole new world order, and um, you know it can work to your advantage too. Yeah, and uh, you know you just you always got to be on your toes. And boy, if if you didn't think you could sleep before, you certainly can't sleep now if you're a coach or somebody works <laughs> on these recruiting staffs. No doubt. All right, thanks, Tom. Take care, buddy. That'll do it for our podcast for this week. A thanks to our sponsors, as always. If you do like the podcast, please rate us five stars on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a comment as well. All right, that'll do it for our show for Tom Deanhart. I'm Kyle Charters. Thanks for listening. This is Golden Black Radio.